I'm on. Uh, it is the 9th of March that we're recording this, and uh, sadly, uh, my favorite league has been suspended. So the breaking news out there for our listeners out there is that the Syria has been suspended until April. It is unclear, and I really can't frankly tell you uh, truly if it's actually going to be up until April. Uh, I feel like it could extend, uh, but uh, surely this is uh, kind of like a like sad news, especially for Syria fans. Um, Suleiman, how are you uh, coping with this uh, sad news? Well, I... I kind of like saw this coming and the reason being that, I mean, as you and I can tell, this coronavirus particularly is spreading rampantly. So it was only a matter of time before this happened. But I think it's better. Actually, it's sad in the sense that we'll miss games, but I think it's better because we can actually just focus on being humans and not trying to figure out games, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. I mean, I completely agree with you. And I actually had a discussion with a friend earlier today. Um, I still don't get why a lot more leagues are not doing this. I think, first of all, leagues should be played behind closed doors as of right now. Like, they should have done this as of yesterday, basically. Um, and uh, as we'll talk about in the future of this episode, uh, this area was played behind closed doors. Doors. Um, but, uh, Suleiman, I mean, EPL hasn't really done much to to kind of combat this uh, issue uh germany seems to be having a, a lot of issues and actually germany currently has around the number uh, you know the number of people or, or cases that italy had when they started to clamp down on on the games um but but do you think there's something that the leagues could be doing better to kind of combat this because i, I feel like, again in germany in france in, in in england people or fans are still allowed in the stadium Definitely. I think teams should, when actually leagues should start taking drastic measures and saying no more games or games p- played behind closed doors. Because if you keep oiling this machine, oiling this epidemic as it is right now, it could actually become something that's a little more complicated, more widespread than it is, a lot more widespread than it is. So I would, as a human being first, say games should start getting cancelled because this is a a very, very, a very deadly virus. Yeah, I, yeah, it's it's very, very sad that we're, this is happening, but uh, let me give a quick highlight to our listeners of what we have in stock today. Um, we are going to talk about the spot kick. I'm still, I don't know what the spot kick is, and uh, for listeners out there, uh, Suleiman just kind of puts me on the spot, literally. So um, I definitely don't know what the spot kick is for today, but uh, can't wait for that. And then obviously we'll go into the explosive Manchester Derby. Um, unbelievable results in that game. And then we'll talk about La Liga. It seems like uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona keeps flip-flopping positions. Um, Serie A, you know, they played behind closed doors. So it would be great to talk about how Juve and Inter, the Derby d'Italia, went. And finally, it seems like the bully is getting wrapped up uh, with Bayern winning, uh, who knows what's going to happen in the future. And obviously, the UCL is back, so I'm, I'm really excited that we're going to give our predictions. And of course, your favorite uh, part of the show, Slime One, is the random fact of the episode. So I have a, I, I have a, I have a good one, I believe, uh, that people may not know. Interesting. I always look forward to the random fact segment. And true to nature, I have a friend who says you come up with the most incredible 
random facts. So definitely keep them coming and I'm excited to see what you have for us on that part of the show today. Without further ado, I'm going to move on and talk about the spot kick for this episode, Bori. I want to talk about youth. And I've seen this a little bit in the Premier League because that's what I really watch. This season, three players stand out to me as the breakout youths of their respective teams. And on my list is Bukayo Saka from Arsenal, Brandon Williams from Manchester United, and Billy Gilmore from Chelsea. I think Billy Gilmore might be a very recent addition, but the games that I've seen him play recently, I had to add him. What do you think about these players? And what, do, like, based on what you've seen about them so far, do you have any any thoughts about the trajectory or the paths that these players can follow? Yeah, it's great to see that these uh, players are, are doing well. It's always great to see the youth playing. Um, the only thing I wanted to caution on is the fact that the media is always quick to kind of, you know, let say people, you know, certain players are the, you know, the Ronaldos or the Messi's or, or certain player of of our generation, uh, which kind of gives a lot of pressure to the players. But uh, no, I do really like uh, uh, these players that you've mentioned. Out of all of them, and I guess I would say yes, I'm biased about this. Uh, I do like Bukayo Saka. Uh, you know, um, I think he's He's uh, he kind of reminds me of a Quadrado right now. Um, well, not really, uh, because Quadrado can dribble, but Quadrado, remember, he's a winger, um, but now currently plays as a uh, right back for Juventus. So uh, it's you know, uh, well, I know Saka plays on the left, but my point is, um, it kind of plays a similar role to Quadrado, and um, I just hope that he does very well. Um, as for the other two, uh, Gilmore really had a great game uh, this weekend. And uh, Brandon Williams has been doing very well in, in, in the defense for Manchester United, actually, too. Um, so, yeah, we have really, you know, we have three great, great youths coming up, uh, coming up the ranks. Uh, you know, again, just hope that the, you know, the hype is not too much and then they, they fall uh, because they are expected to perform more than they can. Thanks for the analysis there. And I'm actually not, I'm, I'm glad you didn't. You didn't feel like I put you under the pressure to hype them more. I'm just excited for what they do on the pitch right now. And I, as a fan, I'm hoping that I can see this path progress as they go forward in their careers. With that, we're going to move on and talk about the details, the tiny little details that happened in the Premier League this weekend. And we are going to start with the Liverpool-Bournemouth game. Liverpool beat Bournemouth, albeit coming from behind to win that game. Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane. We also had Arsenal beating West Ham United 1-0. But my game of the week, Bori, and one I, I actually want to hear your thoughts on, is the Manchester Manchester Derby. What do you think about the result and outcome of that game? Wow. Uh, I, I mean, you know, first of all, they kept a clean sheet. Unbelievable. I, I can't believe United has come this far. Um, I, You know, I've kind of said that they are riding on a kind of uh, new player momentum. Um, but you know it keeps going. I, I believe Ole had a very you know what like like 12 to 13 runs when when he joined uh, United as as the coach. Um, but um, I think United hasn't lost any basically in all competitions. They've not lost any game. They've been unbeaten for the last 10 games, which is incredible for a team that was basically couldn't keep keep a, a clean sheet and was conceding so many goals. Um, that said, I mean, the game was, I mean, you can tell that the, the City players have checked out. I mean, they know they can't win the league, so they are not even in the game. I mean, 
all the way from the keeper to the front line. I, I mean, Ederson was absolutely in shambles. I mean, made two great mistakes, um, uh, caused greatly one of the goals. Um, I, and even the second goal, well, he, I mean, should have caught. But I guess things can happen, you never tell. But like, so, somebody of his caliber should be saving that kind of goal for Martial. Um, and then, uh, and then you, you know, this this team shows. You, you can see that City is clearly missing that final third um, ability. You know, uh, and what I mean by what I mean by that is they're missing their star man, Kevin De Bruyne, who again for me is the best player in the EPL right now. Um, they're clearly missing him because there was no, there's not much, too many chances created. Uh, I mean, yes, surely as usual, United. Uh, I mean, City had a lot of the ball possession but i mean they just the the final third was just lacking in terms of creativity to get the you know the very good chances to be able to score um but hey credit to manchester united bruno fernandez again coming up big in this game um my only question uh is is can he keep this up can he keep up the the good work and this will be left to be seen uh as the game progresses towards the end of the season I agree with you there, Bori. I have to say that Bruno Fernandes, the free kick that led to the goal was pure genius. I wasn't sure what was going to happen there, but he pulled one out of the bag and Matial, true to nature, true to form, finished it elegantly. So yeah, you said Ederson could have done better. The front three are not doing so well, but I don't want to take credit away from Manchester United. This team has surprised me. And beat Bruno's introduction or just the whole team coming together and saying we have to play for something and they're playing for pride and they did very well against Manchester City. Sorry, no, I was going to say, I want your point of view in terms of do you think uh, United is just playing better all of a sudden because of this one player or what do you think is, is really going on? Absolutely. I call this the Bruno effect, actually. He comes on this team and he, of course, is class. He's playing very well. But the rest of the team actually just feel like it's the vibe, you know, the, the team feels like we might as well, they had it in them all along. Of course, Bruno brings something special, but they also had it in them all along. But now they're turning it on and it's looking really good. So Bruno brings something, but the team, the players who were months ago, weeks ago, a shadow of their current selves, have actually now decided that they want to play. And somebody had used the term cancer for a very popular player on that team, Paul Pogba. And... It might not be a far-fetched thought to think that while he might not be a cancer, Bruno Fernandes definitely is a boost for this team. Yeah, I also think they, they believe that they can make the Champions League spot um, because obviously like they are, what, three points behind Chelsea. So I think they, they're riding off you know, the, the momentum they have right now. And they, I think they do believe that because Chelsea is very hot and cold and they keep losing one weekend and they keep winning another, uh, they believe that they can just, you know, get all the wins they need to get the fourth place. And as usual, as, as we do in every episode, my question to you, Sulaiman, is where is Pogba? Um, actually, I'm going to answer your, the question I just asked you, which is kind of funny. Um, but uh, he's actually back in training and uh, I think it will be available maybe in the next two or, or three games. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But... Uh, but good news to, for, for Manchester United fans, or maybe not good news, uh, Pogba is back in training. Definitely. At this point, I actually don't know if the Manchester United fans want Pogba that much because in his absence, Manchester United has had a steady positive run of form and results. So there isn't much less 
much left to ask from Pogba if they keep playing in this fashion. Moving on, I want to talk about the happenings at Chelsea this past weekend. They beat Everton 4-0. And my talking point from this game is the fact that three of the old guards, Pedro, William, and Olivier Giroud, scored in this game. And we know that, for some reason, Frank Lampard has relied extensively on youth. It's even actually the first season in a long time. This is the season where they've used most the highest number of teenagers in the in the Premier League. But to get this kind of results from the experienced players, I kind of feel like if this team really wants to succeed, which is something I'm sure Frank Lampard wants to, they should focus more on mixing youth and experience and not just making this a a youthful experiment every game. What are your thoughts? I mean, first of all, I want to talk about the the away jersey that everything was wearing. I think that's part of what happened to their performance because I, I thought that kit was absolutely horrible. Um, but, I mean, everything were so off this game. Like, it seems like they came to, it seemed like they came to sleep, basically. If you watched, uh, like, I think three of the goals, uh, apart from the willing goal, was basically just defenders not waking up. And it's kind of weird that I'm not trying to take any, uh, uh, you know, you know, praise away from Chelsea, but, you know, you got to talk about Everton's defending. I mean, this is a team that should not be considering that many, especially with uh, Jordan Pickford in the, in the goal and Yeri, um, Yeri Mina in, in, in centre-back. Uh, it, it's just it's just hard to see people defending like they're playing in, in our league that we play with, you know, in, in our local league here. Um, so it's very, very... It was very hard to watch the defense of, of Everton. But Chelsea, again, kudos to them. You know, with, with the youth, they're still able to beat the, you know, quote-unquote, the older folks. Um, and credit to Pedro and William. Um, I really can't say much. I think this is one of those games where they, everything just went in their way. Um, but, you know, this is Chelsea that we know that they've lost to to small teams and also some, some big teams. Um, so, uh, you know, it's really, like, I can't really say if Chelsea is back or if they're, you know, any good, but but they had a very good performance, but uh, you never know what's going to happen next game. And next, I want to actually quickly talk about Leicester City trashing Villa 4-0. The burst is coming from Jamie Vardy and also from Javi Barnes. Jamie Vardy is no stranger to scoring, but Javi Barnes, he has shown over the course of this season and last season that he can pop in goals every now and then. But the question now remains for Villa, and I'm going to pose this to you, Bori. Is this team going to stay in this league or not? Oh, I think it's done for Aston Villa. I mean, sadly, um, and this means that they may lose Grealish, for example. Um, I, I think this team is done. I think they've they've lost the plot, and they did very well towards the beginning of the season. In, in the beginning of the season, um, but they've just lost the steam and, and the zeal to basically stay up. Um, I think they're done um, uh, personally. Yeah, I, I feel the same as well. And like you said, players like Jack Grealish would definitely have to will have no shortage of sweeters come this summer. So definitely, he might have to leave. With that, I'm going to pass it on to you. Let's hear what's happening in the Iberian Peninsula. Which would, uh, yes, we do have, uh, you know, very, very funny scenes in La Liga just because, again, 
last week there was the El Clasico, um, and not this past weekend, but the last weekend before this one was the El Clasico, where we thought, you know, Real Madrid are back, they're great, they're going to win the La Liga easy. Uh, but then again, but then they they surprised us this weekend by losing to Real Betis, um, in, in, in you know 2-1 in in La Liga. Um, and the first goal that they conceded was was a Ramos fault where he was trying to dribble out of the back. I mean, such an experienced defender trying to dribble out of the back. Uh, maybe he kind of underestimated Real Betis, but I think that's the, the, the first problem. And then Benzema scored the penalty, um, but that was not enough because Benzema actually caused the second goal that, that, that Real Betis scored. And there was an interesting stat that came out of this. Um, and the, the stat was, I mean, I guess you kind of expect the stat, but this was the first time that Benzema had made a mistake that led directly to a goal in his time in Real Madrid, uh, which is very sad. But um, I, I don't know how to read this game, but it seems like uh, Real Madrid, I mean, I'm not trying to, to take away from the win against Barcelona, which was a very huge win because they won 2-0 against Barcelona. But uh, it seems like this team is basically just riding on waves because one week they're hot, one the other week they're cold. Uh, do you think there's something that Zidane is missing to kind of inspire these kids? Yeah, and that's the thing with Real Madrid. You've seen them beat heavyweights like Barcelona and then turn around and lose to Real Betis. So you can't really tell. I think there's a symptom which we've seen, losing and winning and losing and winning. But the cause of this problem, could it be in the locker room or could it just be that these players are not as motivated? It's hard to say. For a game like Barcelona, you want to gear up and suit up and play because it's it's a very, very big game. But for games like Real Betis, maybe it's just not enough motivation. That's what I would call this because there is no reason to lose games like this. Yeah, and let's move on to Barcelona. And again, like we said, last week they lost the El Clasico, but then this past weekend they were able to beat Real Sociedad 1-0, albeit it was just a messy penalty, which I was surprised, honestly, that he scored. Um, but I want to point out that Barcelona are looking like a very subpar team. I, I mean, yes, they won the game against a very good team like Real Sociedad, but it seems like they're not playing comfortably. And I totally understand they have injuries and they have their problems, uh, but it doesn't look good. And I don't think this is going to be a good thing for them come to the end of the season because I think they may lose the La Liga because of this. But I do want to point out the good points and parts of this game. Uh, Braithwaite, the... The controversial signing that Barcelona made, you know, with, with the emergency signing because they lost Dembele, um, he's actually very gelling very well with Messi, which is something that people didn't think would happen. Um, and uh, you can see that he's off the ball; he's a very hard worker, and even on the ball, he's even a harder worker. Um, so he makes the right runs. He, he, you know, he runs above, beyond Messi. He goes back to defend, um, and uh, you know, it's it's very good to see that a player from Leganes that people didn't think was going to play very well is actually playing very well. Uh, do you have any feelings about Britway? No, no. I, I, I liken this signing to the KPB signing last year. But mm. definitely Britway is a harder worker and he will want to prove his worth on this team. So I am not surprised by his work ethic and how committed he is to the cause. Yes, and let's talk about uh, players playing horrible. I mean, I you know I am a, I am I'm a very huge fan of Messi, but I can't help but to just see how horrible Messi was. Especially, I mean, yes, he's, he scored the only goal, but but come on, he was very very horrible. And and 
I have different theories uh, of why this, hap- this is happening. Obviously, he's had a role with Eric Abidal, who is the technical director of Barcelona, um, where, you know, he said, Eric Abidal said something, one thing, and then Messi basically went to defend the players of Barcelona. So it seems like there was con- some kind of tension. Um, but Messi doesn't look like he wants to be in Barcelona anymore. And, and again, I don't know if this is going to be something that we're going to see at the end of the season, but I, I won't be surprised if there's a, you know, if, if he decides to leave. But, I mean, do you think this is what's affecting his game? Because how this is a player I thought nothing could really affect his game. I mean, you you watch the game and you see him get dispossessed easily. And he like some of his passes are off, and, and it seems like there's something really bothering him. So, like you just alluded to, I don't think anything can affect Messi's performance. He loves the game so much, even if he had issues with people. I think it would still come out and play. And we know that he loves Barcelona so much. It looks like nothing's going to take him away from that club. So I think it's just a rough patch. Maybe maybe there's a little like misunderstanding between him and people. But I wouldn't think that that would affect his performance. Probably just a rough patch. And sometimes the people around you, when I say people, I mean your teammates on the field, their influence when you're down actually goes a long way. Because if everyone else would playing very well and you had people like Usman Dembele also available, then maybe it would not be as obvious. Or Luis Suarez, you know, the vibe he has with Suarez. If those kind of players were on the field, maybe this would not as this would not be as obvious as it is right now. Yes, I think you're making a very good point uh, and uh, I guess I've not I've not thought it thought about it that way uh, but I want to give you a quick fun fact about Messi in this last game he got a very he got a yellow card for a very bad tackle I mean that tackle was actually horrible it kind of basically slid in with like almost like two of his feet um, but this is the first time in his career that he's received three yellows uh, in back to back to back games which is something you don't really hear from a player like Messi but uh, yeah he may eventually get the five you know the five yellow card game ban um, and uh, that would be that may be detrimental for for uh, Barcelona uh, for their quest to win the La Liga this season. But let's move on to a league that has basically shot off the Serie A, um, even though was you know there were games played last weekend. There were basically makeup games for the the last two weekends where some games were basically postponed. Um, but it seems like uh, uh, this league is basically done. For the for 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 a few weeks or or so until April at least. Uh, but let's quickly talk about the Derby d'Italia, which is the game between Juventus and Inter, Inter Milan. Uh, played behind closed doors, very weird um, to to not hear the fans speak or, or chant or do anything. Um, but I mean, this also was a good thing to just kind of hear what the players were saying. I mean, I couldn't make out most of the words, but I'm I'm learning Italian on, on the side, so I could tell some of the the words that we're saying um but it's very interesting to to hear professional soccer players just you know just talk about you know how, you know like just to just how they read the game and what decisions they make and how you know how they hear the instructions from the sideline uh but but let's talk about how how the game went uh, i mean juve won this game 2-0 um and inter milan like I said, it seems like they they just crumble when it comes to big teams. And, and you know, they did this against Barcelona, for example. They just crumbled uh, against Dortmund. They crumbled. Um, and it seems like nothing was just going right for them. And Inter Milan is a team that has a very good bench. I, I mean, maybe this is the problem, which is 
it's a blessing, but it really is kind of like a problem because he ha- uh, Conte has so many players to choose from. Um, but Inter Milan being bad, is, is, is that a surprise? Are we surprised that Conte cannot manage all these star players? Well, Conte actually is not the best man manager, but I think at this point in his reign at Inter Milan, there shouldn't be any problems with man management. There shouldn't be problems with him getting the best out of his players. I think this is just plots gone wrong. I've got to admit it. I've been supporting and citing this team, pushing them on, cheering them on to make a run for this league, but it looks like they don't have it in the squad to make a run for this league. I, I kind of feel like at this point, you've been pushing and mentioning Lazio and they might look like the strongest team to give Juve a run for this league but Inter falling off of this opportunity I felt like they they looked like a good team at the beginning of the game but they couldn't capitalize and now it might be too late yeah I think it's I think I think it might be too late I think you're right unless something I mean Juve is not playing very well this season but uh, I, I think Lazio is also a threat to them, which is going to to mean that Inter Milan may not win the Scudetto this season. Uh, but I want to quickly give props to Juve. Obviously, not it's not all Inter's fault, but uh, Juve uh, Sarri got the uh, you know the formation and tactics right. He did not start the Bala, which was kind of concerning. Um, but uh, at the end, he brought him in, and the Bala scored a very very wonder goal, uh, kind of like a solo goal. And uh, he was able to walk through that into defense. So great props to Juve. With that, I'm going to move on and talk about the Bully, Bori, Battle of Borussia. Borussia Mönchengladbach played Borussia Dortmund. And Borussia Dortmund prevailed. This game, I think it's my game of the week in the Bundesliga. And Borussia Dortmund won this game 2-1 away at Gladbach. What I think interests me most about this game was that Gladbach actually played well. They At, at some point, this game was tied before Ashraf Hakimi actually put this game to bed. Now, we see that Gladbach is in fifth place with a game at hand. So I'm asking you, is this title race slipping off for Gladbach? Yes, I got I to gotta be realistic here. Uh, it is slipping off. Uh, which is very sad to see. I think they're currently nine points uh, uh, away from Bayern Munich, uh, and, and, but they have a game in hand, which, okay, even if they win it, it will be six points, and Bayern looks like they are, you know, they are hitting the gas pedal to the max, and, and they will not stop winning. Um, but, yes, I would say maybe the maybe uh, Gladbach may not win it, Um or may not go close to winning it. But, um, um, yes, like you said, they played a very good game. I think they're a very good team, uh, but I think they were just unlucky. Yeah, and I want to say they've put on quite a show. I like that they're dark horses. They can they can beat anybody on any day. I think what actually is the problem, and I see this in a, a few other teams, is they don't have an impact player. They don't have, like, they have Alisson player and they have Marcos Suram. Those are reliable players, but they are not X-Factors. And I feel like when it comes to winning the league, you actually need more than one X-Factor. So that when one is not playing well, which I think only two teams, I think, has that in the Bundesliga, and that's Borussia Dortmund. Erling Haaland hasn't scored in a couple of games, but Dortmund is still winning. And when you look at Bayern Munich, you have the fact that Robert Lewandowski is out injured, but Bayern Munich is still winning because there are other players that can step up 
and actually deliver for these teams. So I, I, I kind of personally feel that it's either going to be Dortmund or Bayern after all is said and done. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think, yes, you're right. And the impact player is very important. Um, I mean, even without the impact player, uh, Bayern Munich is still is still on, on, on you know, still, still play very well. Coutinho is actually very, he's been good with the past two games. Um, so, so like, yes, they have several players that could turn up and, and win games for them. So, yes, I think that is a problem for Gladbach. Um, but, again, let's, I want to caution on the side of, hey, you know, if Bayern Munich keeps going ahead and far in the Champions League, then this may be, that may be a difference um, maker for the, for the league winners. Yeah, definitely. But before we even go into the Champions League, let's talk about Bayern Munich for a second. And I want to talk about Jerome Boateng. He delivered a telegramic pass to Muller this past weekend. If you didn't see it, you should go watch it. It was pinpoint. Like, you could actually measure the trajectory of that pass. And I would tell you that it was accurate to the point that all Muller had to do was just pass it into the net without the ball touching the ground. So, very well delivered from Jerome Boateng. Another player I actually have been watching and I've been thinking now is, you know how we talk about the fact that Bayern lost both Robert and Ribéry, and it's going to be hard to replace him. Now we have Serge Gnabry, who looks like he's in the form of his life. And I see semblance of Frank Ribéry in Serge Gnabry. It might be too early to call it, but I feel like they don't have to keep looking for a replacement for these legendary players in the Bayern history because they have... One of them in Serge Gnabry. Do you think I'm reaching? Oh, no, you're not reaching. I mean, Gnabry is in the form of his life, uh, you know, after his, in- his injury. I mean, that that sequence of play between him and Gretzka was absolutely incredible. Like, I mean, that 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 is, that that I mean, it looks, may, it may look simple, I guess. I don't know. But uh, it, it was very good sequence. And just to see that Gretzka was on the same wavelength as as Nabry uh, during that uh, course of play, but it, you know, if our our viewers have not seen that that goal, they should go watch it. It was against Augsburg, um, and again, Augsburg is a very, I mean, they're a very bad team. Uh, so, I mean, that that pass from Jerome Boateng is probably also part fault of of the defenders. And I'm not trying to take anything from Boateng, but it's just hard to really give um, them too much praise against a, a very bad team. But I, I mean, but I was very, I was very awed by the game, uh, by the goal that Goretzka scored, and it was just a one, it was basically a double one-two between Nabri and Goretzka, and it was absolutely beautiful. Yeah, that's typical Bori finding ways to downplay beauty, but I appreciate the fact that you still said it was beautiful. Got so. it. No, 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 I mean, I love that goal for sure. I mean, but, but I mean, come on, the Augsburg defenders were just sleeping. Like, I don't know. I was just. It, it was a beautiful goal, no doubt. But the Augsburg defenders should have done better. And, and I blame them for this. And I agree with you. We can actually have a whole episode on teams like Augsburg and Fortuna Dusseldorf and all those horrible teams in the Bully. But we're going to save that for another episode. And let's move on and talk about the UCL predictions. What are you? Which teams are you feeling? Oh, God. Uh, there's a very huge game. Atletico Madrid and... Liverpool, I mean, that, that game is, you can't, you should not miss, no one should miss that game. I mean, you have to call off work or something because that game, I know, is going to be explosive. But we're going to save that as the last game that we predict. And let's start with the 
no offense to Leipzig fans and Tottenham fans, but let's start with the boring games. Uh, RB Leipzig plays Tottenham, um, and Tottenham, I mean, absolute shambles. I'm sorry to say, but very absolute shambles. They're on par with Milan right now, too, um, so I'm not going to just call them out alone. But um, do you think they can they can come back? I mean, RB Leipzig has a 1-0 uh, uh, advantage uh, and do, is there any way that you can see Tottenham getting back into this game and uh, clinching the spot? When you said let's talk about the boring game and then you prefaced it with no offense to the RB Leipzig and Tottenham fans and I'm thinking this is a Mourinho team it's going to be a boring game so let's just get that out of the way but <laughs> but I'm actually going to say that this being a Mourinho team playing away in Germany I want to sprinkle in some drama there and say Tottenham will win this game. I don't want them to win it, but I feel like I can see Tottenham in a Mourinho style get an early goal and hold on to a penalty kick and win this game. Yes, I, I, hey, I I would not even put it that far, especially because Leipzig in the last two games have only scored one goal. Uh, they tied to Wolfsburg this past weekend. Um, so yes, I would not put it far from them. I, I mean, Leipzig may not find a scoring boots in this game, and Le- uh, and Tottenham may just find one goal, and uh, and maybe it even gets into penalties, and then they win that way. Um, so uh, I would not put it past them. So f- that said, though, I, I still I would still give the edge towards Leipzig just because Tottenham are just in absolute shambles, and they're coming off a week where they not they've not played so well, and their confidence is so low. And uh, I, I think Leipzig will just have the extra push and, and uh, motivation to, to go ahead in this game. But let's talk about the game that probably looks like it's wrapped up already. Uh, but you never know anything can happen in the game of football. This is the game. This is why we love this game. Uh, Valencia is playing at home to Atalanta. Um, I think I'm not sure if Atalanta fans are going to be able to travel for this game because of the ban. Uh, but they probably will be able to to drive there. Maybe I don't know. Uh, but um, what do you think about this game? Uh, Atlanta losing 4-1 to Atlanta in the first game. I mean, sorry, Valencia losing 4-1 to Atlanta in the first leg. Uh, do you? What do you see happening in this game? Atlanta wins this one, and we can move on to the next game. Wow. Uh, interesting. Okay. All right. Uh, let's move on to PSG and Dortmund. Uh, this game will be played behind closed doors because of the current uh, situation in, in, in Paris right now. Um, but, uh, you know, Dortmund won the first leg 2-1. Uh, but uh, is there a way, any way you think uh, PSG, maybe Neymar and Mbappe will come through in this game and actually win this game for once and win win a knockout round game for once? This, this is the one game where I feel like I like Mbappe and I also like what's happening in Dortmund. So I'm open to whoever wins it. I think... I'm open. I'm really just open to whoever wins it. I feel like Dortmund, though, has the team to win it. Dortmund are my favorites. Good. Uh, yeah, great point. Uh, I think Dortmund's relaxed a little bit on the scoring. Um, PSG's defense is still horrible. Um, so, I, I don't know. I, I think PSG may actually you know, get this win because I think Neymar may get very... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Very motivated to win because he... he Desperately wants to win something, and Mbappe also definitely wants to clinch a, a, a Champions League berth. So I, I think PSG may just get the win in this game and sort of Dortmund 2-0. Um, and then the final game 
is the probably one of the biggest games uh, this year. Uh, Liverpool, Atletico Madrid, uh, and this game is happening at Anfield. I'm very, very curious, and I cannot wait to hear what you are predicting for this game. You know, I called Liverpool sweeping, or this is just going to be a wash, because Atletico Madrid and Shambles, and they haven't been a... They've been in, in such disarray, I couldn't even see how they can edge Liverpool. But there's only one phrase that comes to my mind after remind, remembering what happened in the first leg. Atletico Madrid had Liverpool shook, and Liverpool are still not recovered from what happened when they played in Spain. With that being said, I think Atletico Madrid can find a way to win this tie. Not actually, I'm not concerned about them winning tomorrow. I'm concerned about them advancing after all is said and done. Yeah, very interesting. I think this game is going to end 1-1. I think Liverpool is going to draw the first blood and then uh, they're not going to be able to find the second goal. Um, and I think Atletico will suddenly score because, again, they, recent in recent games, they've been scoring so many goals now. It's actually incredible. And remember, the wonder kid, Joao Felix, is back. So that, I think, is a huge boost for Atletico Madrid. Uh, but I think this game will end up 1-1 and, uh, and Atletico Madrid will advance. Yeah, so I also, like you said, whatever you're doing, make sure you tune into this game. And I am going to set my calendar and make sure I block off that time to watch this game. With that being said, Bori, now comes the time for you to tell me about my favorite segment of the episode. What's up for the random fact? Well, it's kind of, uh, uh, I guess, uh, I wouldn't say a boring one, but uh, a lot of play- people may not know this player, ex-player, ex-Fiorentina player called Iakini. He's currently the coach, uh, Matal was uh early in the season. Um, but uh, if you Google Iakini's name, you, you know, I want to say like 95% of the pictures you'll see is with a baseball cap. And you may be wondering, why is he... Is he trying to hide a ball spot or something? Like, what's going on here? Um, but it turns out he has a medical medical condition where um, he has problems with lights. And it's very interesting to see. I mean, I I can't imagine not be you know not being able to to you know stand under a light or, or look at a light for a long time. Um, like, like he seems to have a problem with. Um, but uh, no, he wears this baseball cap to basically cover his eyes and so that he can you know, stay away from the lights in the stadium, which is very interesting. Um, but um, it seems like that's not really impacting his coaching abilities. I mean, Fiorentina is not doing so well, but they're doing better than, you know, when they were with Montella. Well, agreeably. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's just something that you see, you know, when you when you see Fiorentina play, you see him on the side with this baseball hat and you just see him and you just wonder, like, why is he wearing this baseball hat? But that's because he he really can't deal with lights, and that's the the medical condition he has. I think that's actually very interesting because for for a player like that, or an ex player like that, to still stay in touch with the sport and to be able to find a way to overcome whatever difficulties might prevent him from enjoying the game he loves. I think that's that's one of those stories that when you hear it, it warms my heart. When I heard this, I was smiling from ear to ear because I just feel like this is what this game is about. You find a way to stay in touch with it. Thanks for sharing that. Of course, yeah, happy to share the 
the my my research my little research i do before uh the episodes but uh thank you our listeners for listening to the fourth official soccer podcast Slimon? yeah you know you always know where to find us we're on twitter at fourth official sp also you can listen to us on google podcast apple podcast and spotify and we'll catch you again next week thank you and bye